Today on the Buckle Bomb Show, Bray Wyatt makes his return to the WWE, Rey Mysterio moves to SmackDown, the Good Brothers return and reform the OC with AJ Styles, and Brock Lesnar returns to set up a rematch with Bobby Lashley. Welcome to this October edition of the Buckle Bomb Show here on Bomb Media Productions. I'm Bobby, and I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again. I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Anthony Roan. Tony, how you doing, buddy? Brother, I'm doing fantastic. What a time it is to be a wrestling fan. I know we keep saying this every week, it feels like, but it just seems like wrestling right now is just too sweet. Yeah, that it is. We've got a lot to talk about. It's a little bit of a WWE-heavy show this week. A lot of big returns in the WWE and a a big debut in AEW. That's not even a main topic. It's going to be in our quick jabs. A lot of good stuff to get to. Let's jump right in. We'll talk first about uh, the biggest news of the last week. Bray Wyatt uh, returned. You might have seen... uh, Tony's O-Face from the live stream we did last week during the pay-per-view in the open to this show. Uh, Tony, uh, what did you think about his return at Extreme Rules? What did you think about his promo? There's been a lot of discussion about the Wyndham Six and who that might be, but now it looks like maybe it's something different. You want to elaborate on this? No, I think you and me have a varying opinion on the Wyndham Six thing still. Uh, but the return was perfectly done. Um, it's Bray Wyatt. He, he's bit, he's a fan favorite returning after almost a year away. He didn't have to say shit at extreme rules. He didn't really have to be there. You could have had a different arm come out that door with a lantern and just shown that shot and ended extreme rules. And that would have been good enough for me. Um, Fast forward to Friday. That wasn't Bray Wyatt in the ring. At least not at first. That was Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, That promo was fucking moving as hell. Brought me to tears. Um, I I thought that maybe afterwards, maybe the Wyndham Six thing is maybe like a metaphor for like mental health or something like that because... His promo was very mental health heavy on the things that he touched on. Um, but when it comes to your thing about Wyndham Six, I'm going to let you go ahead, and then I'm going to let you know the things that I'm thinking about it. All right. So at first we were discussing whether or not the Wyndham Six, like everyone else, ooh, it could be this person, ooh, it could be uh, you know, Alexa Bliss or who, wait a minute, the finish to that Ronda Rousey match where she was laughing maniacally. Maybe it's, maybe it's Liv Morgan. Uh, and then you and I, well, (laughs) there was a fun, uh, tweet by Eva Marie that set the internet ablaze. And I had fun with you about that because I'm like, oh my God, this has to happen now. Just, just to set the internet aflame. Uh, and you hated me for that. Uh, (laughs) 
But, you know, we were speculating over all these people. And after the promo Friday night on SmackDown, you know, as you said, it was very real. That was that was Wyndham Rotunda out there speaking in, at the very least, a work shoot. And to, to further a story, it seems like, with the little video that happened at the end, that seemingly with a different side of his personality, yet another one. Um, which is where it, this seems to be going, I think. I think the Wyndham Six are the six personalities within Bray Wyatt. Now, uh, you know, a little bit of a DID, uh, dissociative identity disorder kind of deal, uh, which is definitely a fun way to go. And I don't mean that people with DID is funny, but I think they have to tread lightly, though, at the same time. You don't want to obviously be making fun of these people. But it's something that's been in the media a lot. We've had uh, just recently on Disney+, Plus, uh, Marvel had a, a show uh that their superhero had DID, uh, Moon Knight. So it's a very interesting topic right now. It's kind of, you know, and it's, a, as you said, mental health topic that they have to tread lightly a little bit. You don't want to make fun of it. You don't want to make light of it. But if they do it right, it could be really powerful and good stuff. Yeah, there is a one thing, though, that I just noticed probably two uh Last night, like after SmackDown went off the air, um, the mask, the mask looks like it takes heavy cues from the mask worn in uh, by Ethan Hawke in the black phone. Hmm. Okay. So I thought that was a little bit of an interesting thing. Um, keep in mind, you know, I hate to drag this up, but fuck it. We're here. We'll do it anyways. You're rooting for fucking Eve Marie to be the Abby the Witch in this situation. But you're telling me no to Vincent. Because he's just some mid-carder from Impact. When did I say... I didn't say no to Vincent. That would be great. Because you're you're bringing... No, yeah, but if you're bringing him into a stable... I think that would be great. I think that's the point of a stable. If if this if the Wyndham Six was going to be a stable of many wrestlers, that would be a great way to bring in a Vincent or a Grayson Waller or some of these other guys that we've been talking about, and you can build them up to the main roster WWE audience that has no idea who these people are yet. This that would be a great way to introduce them. So, with that being said. Because I'm, yes, I'm on board. Eva Eva Marie would have been great just because. I, I'm on board with the whole. It's Vincent coming in. It's um, I, his name's escaping me right now, but his tag team partner in Ring of Honor being Huskus the Pig Boy, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. But the other side that points that Eva Marie is nowhere near this, and she will never be resigned back with the WWE. If you noticed during the segment on Friday Night SmackDown with Liv Morgan, the Wyndham Six logo is in the background. Yeah. So you know more little hints and Easter eggs and things of that nature, but um, it could it could definitely still go the route of a stable. We don't know yes. for sure yet. But with the whole DID thing within the stable itself, these are all personalities of Bray Wyatt that I believe are going to be betrayed by other wrestlers. Yeah. And 
I don't think the masked man is necessarily going to be portrayed by Wyndham himself. I think it was in that promo. That was that was obviously Wyndham's voice. But yeah. you're right. I, I think we're going to get these different personalities are going to manifest in other people. And that'll sort of be the supernatural element. And the fiend will know the demon of the fiend will have moved to someone else. And so you'll still have a fiend, but it won't be Bray Wyatt. You know, and you'll have Abby and you'll have Huskus and you'll have all these different uh, characters. I, I did see it. Someone made a tweet or something uh, in that promo, in, in the video package and the promo of from Extreme Rules when he made his return. You know, the Firefly Funhouse was broken down and... In other words, all the characters have escaped the Firefly Funhouse. And now they're out out loose in the world. Is a way you could look at it. And that's because it was after that little package and suddenly you're seeing all the characters made real in in the audience and around the arena as Bray made his entrance. So there, there's a lot of interesting angles here to this. Uh, certainly it looks like they're going to take, as you said, a mental health... Uh, side to it. There's going to be possibly other wrestlers involved in a stable. Uh, we'll have to see how crazy. We know Bray Wyatt's Wyndham Rotunda has a crazy uh, imaginative brain uh, for this stuff. And sometimes you just need a little bit of a filter. Don't know if Vince McMahon was the right filter. Maybe Triple H can be. And, and to get it to where it needs to be on WWE TV. Any last words? Yeah, before we come off of this, uh, one last thing I want to mention with this. Uh, shout out to Jesse Buckeye uh, pointing out the uh, Cicada 3301 connection. Um, that's a really interesting factor. Uh, if you don't know, it was a weird internet puzzle that nobody's ever figured out to this day where it came from or if anybody's ever solved it, never happened. Um, but the connection between the logo is very similar. Uh, the other thing that I want to kind of point out with this that is, uh, you know, a little on the fringe aspect of it, because I know this is a long shot. Uh, Bray Wyatt's theme song, yet again, is done by Code Orange. They're the one that did the revamped version of the Let Me In for The Fiend. So if any of the members of Code Orange hear this, release that shit on Spotify and iTunes, like, fucking immediately. Like, right now, you put the name out there when somebody asked you about Friday night, and everybody got hyped thinking it was already out there, and it's not. Is this a WWE thing? Is this you guys fucking with us? Just drop it. We ain't going to be mad if you drop it. We'll love you more. No, that's that's very interesting that they haven't dropped it. I'd make sure if you knew that was going to be the music being used for Bray's return, if I were in the band, I want that out where people can buy it right away as soon as that music's playing. Well, so it's very interesting fair. that it's not. To be fair, though, if I do recall, with the themes, with the Fiends theme song, it was almost two or three months after SummerSlam when he first debuted against, um, I believe it was Finn Balor, that they waited two to three months before putting out that on any kind of uh, music platform. Hmm. I just hope we're not doing the same thing again, guys. Please. Yeah. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to our next topic, 
Rey Mysterio has moved back to the blue brand. Uh, he had a nice run uh, in the mid 20 aughts to, to late 20 aughts on SmackDown, where he had some of his most memorable memorable runs, including the run against Eddie Guerrero with the whole uh, custody of Dominic Angle and all that stuff. All on the blue brand. Uh, he's made his return there because he was going to quit. And Triple H talked him out of it, made a deal with him, put him in a match on uh, SmackDown, and Rey Mysterio won that match to become the number one contender for the Intercontinental title. He will have a match against Gunther at a to-be-determined date, possibly Crown Jewel. Uh, What do you think of Rey Mysterio jumping over to the blue brand? Uh, You know, for storyline, it definitely makes sense. I dig it. Um, it's going to be curious to see how they continue this storyline. Um, maybe it's going to have something to do with the Intercontinental Championship at Crown Jewel, uh, being that they're going to be there for the inevitable Edge versus Beth Phoenix or Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Finn Balor and uh, Mommy Ripley match. Um, the only thing that I'm curious about, and this will actually make me tune into Crown Jewel because uh, I'm very anti Saudi Arabia blood money, is. Uh, I just want to see what happens when Rey Mysterio gets that first chop from Gunther. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just just before we started the show, and I don't know if I even know I don't have it up, but I saw a fun tweet uh, that was retweeted by someone, and it was Gunther, and it looked like he, it was when he was in Evolve, and he uh, power bumps someone in a mask off the top rope so hard that the guy's mask came off his head that people were like, oh man, Rey Mysterio's gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's an idea for storyline. Gunther power bombs Mysterio so hard his mask comes off, Dominic comes down, takes the mask. Now Rey has to retire because he's lost his mask and you know, in Luchador culture, even if we don't count WCW, um, Rey Mysterio no longer has this mask. It's now on the head of Dominic, making him Rey Mysterio Jr. Jr. I think that's how that works. Uh, oh, here it is. Here, let me uh, pop it up real quick. It's going to take just a second, but I, this is too funny not to share. Yeah, you know, the other interesting thing about this too, though, is through Rey Mysterio's entire career, he's always been the biggest little man as they've described him here it is <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christmas yeah good stuff there yeah but uh, but, uh you know I, I think this is this is a good move I if if the plan is to get to maybe a Ray versus Dominic match at, say, WrestleMania, and they want to hold that off, this is a good way to keep them separate for a little while. Um, you could still tease it because we've got pay-per-views, or excuse me, PLEs, premium live events, where they will be on the same card, and you can still have them do little run-ins or come across each other in little backstage segments or something and still keep it going and fresh in people's minds. But, you know... 
keep them away from each other for the most part in storyline up until you want to run with a Ray versus Dominic match at possibly Ray Mister or at possibly WrestleMania. I would assume if that's where they want to go. In the meantime, Dominic gets a little distance and from his dad's shadow and gets to kind of make a name for himself within Judgment Day. So I, I see this as a win all around. Ray gets to have one last run, I think, on, on SmackDown. I think he's nearing this. This is probably his last run, as you said. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Uh, yeah. I, honestly, it pains me to say this because, you know, part of growing up is realizing that not everything is forever. You're not always going to have an Undertaker. You're not always going to have another Triple H match. You're damn sure not going to be able to afford Blink-182 tickets anymore. But and the other part with growing up is just accepting the losses that you're going to have in life. And it's going to be really hard when that day comes. But storyline perspective, career perspective, and family perspective, if I was Rey Mysterio, there is no place I would much rather call it a day than being pinned by my son at WrestleMania to pass the tradition of the Mysterio name upon him. Absolutely. All right, we will go ahead and move on to our next topic. Uh, another return here. The Good Brothers. Whoop, the Good Brothers uh, have made their return to WWE on Raw, uh, reforming the OC uh, to begin a feud against the Judgment Day with AJ Styles. Uh, so a little bit of a Bullet Club feud here with uh, AJ Styles and his version versus uh, a former Bullet Club leader in Finn Balor and the Judgment Day. Uh, are you excited about this? Are you happy the Good Brothers are back? Let me tell you something right now, man. I'm, I'm happy we're on this topic because this is also going to segue into something I want to talk about that's a fear of mine with the Good Brothers coming back. Um, fuck yeah. They are arguably one of the better tag teams that are available in professional wrestling right now. Um there's stuff that they did well they after they left WWE was absolutely priceless. Um, I don't care what anybody says, but um, the two ind- the two independent shows they put together, the Talking Shop Mania one and two, kind of pissed off. We're not going to see three now, but that's hasn't been said. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah, they're just fucking amazing talents. Luke Luke Gallows is one of the nicest fucking dudes I've ever met in my life. Um, the only thing about it is we were texting right before this had happened and we were talking about a possible rumor coming from Japan that Triple H and AJ Styles and Finn Balor were spearheading an attempted coup of Bullet Club members starting with the Good Brothers and I said because of the sources that were saying it I wasn't 100% on board, and sure as shit, the second I sent that to you, AJ Styles was smiling, saying, I'm not talking about you guys. And then out come the goddamn Good yeah. Brothers. Not saying it's going to be a Bullet Club coup to WWE, but um, this is where I'm going to go into my fear. WWE does have a thing for nostalgia. And even though me and Bobby disagree on the actual popularity of the Bullet Club. You can't argue that anytime WWE brings out a DX and NWO reunion, they try and shoehorn Bullet Club members into it. 
the infamous uh, Raw anniversary where you had the three factions throwing up the two suite in the middle of the ring. Things of that nature. Now, with that being said, my fear is where are they going to try and shoehorn Cody into this when he comes back? I don't know that Cody will have that much of a part in this. I mean, then again, a Cody versus AJ match would probably be pretty fantastic. A Cody versus Finn Balor match would be pretty darn good. I'd be interested in either one of those. So I wouldn't, I would not be against some sort of Cody play in here once he comes back. Though certainly I want to see him climbing the ladder, making his way to a WWE championship. Uh, so hopefully he can get up to there when he comes back. And if that's if this is a step on the rung for him in some ways, I'd be fine with that. Uh, he'll certainly put on I'm, good matches with those guys. I don't know if you saw his story after the return. But all it was was, I am assuming it was his hand throwing up the two sweet and it said for life. So that's where the nerves kind of came in with that. But... I'm glad to see the Good Brothers back. I don't know. Goddamn, they could be great talents if you just let them be the Good Brothers. And if the rumors about the TV-14 push are true, and with Triple H in control, with there being, as you saw with the DX reunion, tasteful ways around the censors. Yeah. Cock. Um, I think that I think it's going to be good. Yeah. What, you you never squeezed a rubber cock before? (laughs) Not a rubber one. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, yeah, you don't, you don't need to be, you don't need to be uh, TV fourteen to to do some of the more risque stuff. Uh, you can get around it here and there. Obviously, the WWE at one point they were talking about it. Uh, according to the report, was mostly because of the holy shit chance and things like that. But they also were worried about. Sponsors, and that's the number one reason they've been PG for so many years. And to me, that that's not that big a deal. PG's not the reason why the product is bad, but uh, or was bad. It's certainly a lot better in the last couple of months. But coming to the Good Brothers, I'm excited to see them back. They're a good tag team. Uh, you know, I was it was kind of weird that they were dropped right after. Uh, WrestleMania and the Boneyard match kind of randomly and out of nowhere and surprising everyone. Uh, I'm glad to see them back in the WWE. It looks like they were holding out for that a little bit. And also, could it have maybe opened a little bit of a door? I hate the phrase forbidden door, but could it have maybe opened a little bit of a space for a New Japan crossover of some sort here? Because doesn't one, don't they hold, or one of them hold a Japan title? If I'm not mistaken. Well, we're going to get into a little bit more forbidden door talk. They'll tie into this in the quick jab segment. But yes, Carl Anderson, the machine gun, is the open, open never weight open champion weight. right yep, now. Yep, that's right. And um, at Battle Autumn, I believe, is the name of the event coming up. Carl Anderson is still defending that. So, with that being said, let me ask you a question. We all know what's going to happen, or so we think. What's your reaction going to be like when Carl Anderson goes in there and actually wins? Wouldn't it be great? I mean, that was the whole kickoff to the first summer of Punk, right? In Ring of Honor. Everyone Mm -hmm. knew he had signed a WWE deal. 
and he was going into a match where okay, he's going to W. This is his last match. He's finishing up with Ring of Honor, and he's gonna you know head on up to OVW, and so he's gonna drop the title here, and oh, he wins, turns on the crowd. You all. Thought I was leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. And all you guys bought it. I played all of you guys. It was great. And that led to some fantastic, fantastic run of matches there in his last three months as he finished up in Ring of Honor. It was great stuff. And you could, it would be fun for him to do something similar here with New Japan. I don't know if the WWE can allow it. But I mean, it's been working for. It's been working for AEW, and to have, hey, this is a WWE guy on in Japan wrestling over there. I think if anyone were to allow the WWE, if, if it was something that's going to happen in the WWE at all, Triple H is the one that's going to allow it. It, it wouldn't have happened, you know, four months ago. But today, we can kind of see something like that happening. Let's say it does happen. You know who's going to be the one to dethrone Carl Anderson? Is it going to be... Triple H guy, current Bullet Club member. Who? They're going to make a big stink over it when Carl Anderson wins. He comes back to the States. They're going to be in the ring cutting the promo. Because I don't know if you've seen any of Bullet or uh, the Good Brothers promo since leaving WWE. But they are fucking magic on the mic it's like a tag team they're they they can hold their own against the acclaimed in my opinion they'll be in the ring talking about how they're going to run wwe they're going to run japan all of a sudden you hear the um bullet club theme song and who else to come out but kenta Hmm. you know because now you're sticking it to AEW, and you're sticking it to cm punk right and you get an awesome crossover with Bullet Club and WWE because they can finally shut the fuck up about all these fans wearing Bullet Club shirts like every one of their shows. Now, I don't know that the WWE would allow this, but would it be possible? Would it be interesting if it were, say, someone who's been crossing over with New Japan and AEW, who like, like a Takeshita or someone like that, Who's been on no, AEW be, TV it, quite a bit? Kenta. Kenta I mean, I, 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 it would just be kind of fun to have someone who's maybe, maybe even sort of contracted with AEW. I, you know, because my mind goes back a little bit here to Mike Awesome and Taz. <laughs> Mike Awesome was ECW champion. Who going to WCW? Went to WCW. Signed with WCW, but he was still ECW champion. So he had to go back to ECW to drop that belt. Who did ECW get to fight him? None other than the WWE contractor, the WWF contracted Taz in the main event of one of their paper in, on an ECW pay per view. We had a WCW guy contracted performer versus a WWF contracted performer uh, facing off in an ECW ring for the ECW title. It was one of those weird wrinkles in history that a lot of people forget about. And it would just be fun if he had something like that here. I don't anticipate it happening. I don't think WWE would let it. I don't know that AEW would let it right now, to be honest with you. I don't think it's WWE at this yeah. point, to be honest with you. But Well, you know, Tony Khan got pissed off about, you know, the potential, 
you know, tampering and all that stuff. But uh, Tony Khan's a petulant <laughs> child, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, it, it seems that way sometimes. I think he's uh, well, yeah, we, like you said, we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, Good Brothers back in WWE. I think this is this is all around good things and potentially some interesting interpromotional stuff, at least in the short term. Real quick, let me just you know stoke the fires of a fucking theory that's already out there. If you've ever listened to the Young Bucks speak about how pissed off they've been at the Good Brothers for like the last couple years. Because they always end up signing with somebody else other than AEW. The last time this had happened, the Good Brothers had made a promise to the Bucks. If you guys are still with AEW, we'll come to AEW. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, this run with Carl Anderson and the Open Neverweight title goes for a while. And he just keeps winning, keeps winning, keeps winning. Who else could show up at maybe Royal Rumble while they're cutting a promo? Because we'll be way past 90 days since we've seen the Elite on television. And that's allegedly Tony Khan's new bullshit with their contracts. He said he would never do it, but the rumor is that's what he's doing. And you hear that infamous fucking Young Buck riff, Super Kick Party. Out comes the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Listen, if I if, if we would have been talking about this six months ago, I would have said that I need to be institutionalized because of how batshit crazy that sounds. But I think Tony Khan is such a horrible boss and booker that it's possible that he is driving the elite out of all elite wrestling. I don't know that he's that so much that he's a bad boss, so much as that he just he seemed to refuse to ever get help for himself, both in booking, which I think he needed, and in managing the company. Uh, it, he got a bunch of his a bunch of the wrestlers to help him manage the company, and we see where that's led. So you know, and there's this been this talk that maybe CM Punk was an office employee as well, and because of uh, something Tony Khan said in an interview, I don't know if that was actually the case. It was just the way it kind of came out of Tony Khan's mouth. Made it sound that way when it really isn't, but. Listen, I think Tony Khan was doing a little sniff sniff before he said that. And now he fucking regrets it. But, uh, you know, I think he was just saying, hey, I, you know, I went to all these guys for help and the EVPs, the guys in the office, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And oh, yeah, CM Punk, too. I don't think that he meant he was in the office. I think, oh, I just go. I went to him for help on things with the show uh, because Punk, when he was back in his pre WWE days, he did learn how to put together a television show and how to time out a show and all that stuff. That was part of what he he was in the office learning all that at Ring of Honor. So, And if you know anything about the history of AEW, it almost wasn't AEW. It was almost a CM Punk production. But CM Punk turned down at the time because he was still training at Rufus Sport looking for that third UFC fight. Yeah. All right. Uh... Good Brothers, back in the WWE, we both agree that it's good, and some interesting things can ha- come of it. Maybe maybe not as interesting as we're looking. I don't know about a WWE Royal Rumble Young Bucks debut. I don't see that happening. But, uh, you know, definitely good stuff here, I, I would say. Uh, we'll move on to yet another return 
on Raw, Brock Lesnar came back, beat up Bobby Lashley, cost him the U.S. title to Seth Rollins, uh, and seemingly set up a match with him at Crown Jewel, a rematch from, I believe it was the Royal Rumble this year they had a match originally. So this would be the second match between the two. This one, hopefully a bigger match than the first one was. It was a little, I think, unfortunate. The the It was almost like an afterthought. There was other stuff going on. And what should have been a really huge, you know, main event WrestleMania-level match between Lashley and Lesnar kind of got rushed in a Royal Rumble main event. Here, I think, Crown Jewel... Okay, but uh, maybe maybe it won't happen until Survivor Series. But uh, what do you see? Are you excited about a match between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley? Let's start there. Does Vince McMahon still have the book? Big, meaty, sweaty men slapping meat in the middle of a WWE ring. I, look, this has potential to be a great yeah. match. Um, uh, honestly, if it's Crown Jewel... I kind of want them to be in a fight pit match just because of both of their history and just see if like something flips in Brock Lesnar's head where he just has like a UFC flashback like it's Vietnam and just starts throwing like real blows at Lashley. (laughs) Look, it's an interesting concept for this to be a good match if given time, if let the storyline breathe. I'll tell you what, man, I didn't expect Brock Lesnar Monday night. No, that came out of nowhere. That was, yeah, which is a great way to do it. I'm happy to see Cowboy Brock's back on Raw. Uh, yeah, that, it's interesting. Now, I hope they put a little bit more build into it, but it's interesting. Yeah, well, and and you know, just because it may happen at Crown Jewel doesn't mean it won't happen again at Survivor Series. They, with these two guys, you could probably get a couple of matches out of it for sure. Uh, and maybe you could you could get a you know a basic one on one match at Crown Jewel and then let lead into you know a cage match or the fight pit match or what have you at Survivor Series it could be very interesting and you'd have and now I think about it, there's going to be two rings set up there's some interesting stuff you could do for Survivor Series the first ever the first ever two man war games match. <laughs> Right. So, you know, I don't know if they they could do an actual cage match because you're already going to have a cage suspended above the ring, a different type of cage. So, but... Back in the 90s, the uh, Lion Den matches. Maybe have a structure like that set up. Get Ken Shamrock as a special referee. Ooh. He did just end his contract with Impact. That would be interesting. Uh, I, that would be really interesting, but uh, who? WWE, hire me. I got some ideas for you. Uh, I think yeah. that would sell. But uh, yeah, I think this is yeah. Again, it's you. T- you made the joke about is Vince McMahon back in charge? Look, they're both big stars, Brock Lesnar especially, and it helps that he's not on TV a lot. You know, so anytime he does come out, is huge. Now, is he? more heelish here because i mean certainly what they did it's cowboy brock and i don't think he did anything overtly against the fans but he wasn't like smiling and taking pictures with him either so i don't know that he's necessarily going to be overtly the heel but he's kind of taking the heel side in this story maybe more of an austin-esque personality 
Right. I mean, he was never a hero. He was the even when he was, you know, going up against Roman Reigns, he was more the anti-hero kind of deal, like an Austin, you could say. But you know, it, it, we live in a an interesting time where you might have a match where there isn't a clearly defined heel and face. And I don't know if I agree with that, but it, it would certainly be interesting here. You got just two big stars going at it. And it's like, ooh, who could win this? And that's always gonna that's always gonna sell, I think. So any any last words on this? I was gonna say last word, but it was just gonna be stupid and <laughs> it's me trying to it's me trying to shoehorn my well intent and wishes into the universe from something we're going to talk about in the quick jab segment because I'm so fucking excited for it because there is one match that I want to see that may come from this involving either Brock Lesnar or Bobby Lashley. Well, let's let's get right into it. We'll go ahead and jump to the quick jabs. Quick jabs to the face. This is a segment where we just run through some of the smaller stories and the stories we didn't get to talk about in the main topics. Uh, we just run through them real quick and there's one you wanted to talk about. Let's go ahead and jump right in. And All right, so randomly at some point this week, the decision came down from Tony Khan that AEW contracted wrestlers can no longer appear for Game Changer Wrestling. There's been no real reason given why, but there's a lot of speculation, and that speculation has to do with a picture that popped up over WrestleMania weekend of Brett Lauderdale, owner of GCW, taking pictures with Stephanie McMahon, discussing a potential partnership. Now, if you remember, after those pictures were taken, we discussed that maybe GCW would be the bridge that would open the forbidden door between WWE and AEW. But now it just looks like Tony Khan's being a petulant fucking child and doesn't want to give people what they want. But you know who does want to give people what they want, Bobby? Brett Lauderdale and Daddy Trips. And they want to give me the human meat grinder, Schlack, against Brock Lesnar or Bobby Lashley. That is just a fucking fancy book match that I've had for years now. You know, two big, meaty men, just like Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, going toe-to-toe, except you have the more extreme angle with Schlack. The dude's a fucking beast. Not many people make me look small. I went to Planet Death in Tampa when uh, WrestleMania was down here two years ago, and I got to stand next to Schlack. And uh, even when he went to go give me nucks, the dude's fist was like a lunchbox up against mine. Mm-hmm. And he also had like a piece of glass in it, so I got cut too. So, you know, I had to go get checked out because it's still outlaw mud show wrestling, whether you want to fucking believe it or not. Yeah. But uh, also another interesting sidebar of this, and I retweeted it, and I don't know if you saw it or not. Uh, former AEW wrestler and current GCW superstar, Joey Janela did a cheap plug for SmackDown Friday night. <laughs> so that kind of added fuel to the fire. Well, that that's interesting. I didn't even see that. Hmm. So is this the tweet you're talking about here? GCW is yep. in Mexico, and I'm gearing up to win another championship. Uh, Lauderdale also reminded me to ask you guys who watched SmackDown tonight. Seemed like it was a great show. <laughs> we at GCW love that product. We acknowledge them. Oh, wow. Okay. Either it's Joey Janela doing what Joey Janela does best and being one of the greatest fucking trolls on Twitter. Uh, he was literally a heart attack for Cody Rhodes around every corner. 
uh, especially when the uh, Twitter after dark thing was happening. Uh, but <laughs> either that or it's just foreshadowing what is to come. Can you imagine like an episode of Monday Night Raw ends up in like when's the next time Raw's in New Jersey? I don't know. I they just were, weren't they? Uh, a little bit, but but can you see in the front row Nick Gage, Joey Janela, Mance Warner, and Effie? With Brett Lauderdale sitting, sitting with him, Paul Heyman style. With Brett Lauderdale, and they can't do shit because they all got tickets, baby. So, in other words, pull, oh, pull another ECW invasion. So I would pop so hard. I don't know if they'll go that far, but, I mean, that would be interesting, sure. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Yeah, you don't want to get involved. Your nightmares are coming to life, buddy. Your nightmares are coming to life. Jeez, why would you want to get in bed with them? Okay, Lawler, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd be exactly like Jerry Lawler during the ECW invasion. Absolutely. Listen, uh, I just want Jim Cornette to pop up at a GCW show and let them know they don't belong doing business with WWE. And Emil, their ring announcer, just fucking clobbers them with a microphone shot. Jim Cornette, aside from the fact that he's not going to do business with anyone ever again, period. Uh, well, it's probably a comment about Ethiopians chasing after chicken or watermelon that probably made that happen, yeah. but yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's <laughs> you know, especially since COVID, he, he doesn't want to leave the house. And quite frankly, I yeah. think we're all better for it. We don't need him mouthing off anymore. Uh, he's got a great wrestling knowledge, and it's unfortunate that sometimes it's hard to sit through his garbage to get to some of the, the gold that he can drop, but he's a superstar historian when it comes to fucking professional wrestling. I don't know if you've been watching the uh, dark or the stories from the territory on Vice. I watched the first episode. Great, great stuff. The Memphis Amazing yeah. show. Almost liked it better than Dark Side, to be honest. Well, and that's that's those round tables I've always loved. And this is edited up a little bit more, but one of my favorite things the WWE has ever produced were the uh, Legends of Wrestling roundtables for the 24-7 on-demand network back in the... I think they started in 2005. And they were producing... Table for Threes always been 2011. mine. 2011, Table for Threes in that similar vein. But again, it's heavily edited. Excuse me. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Legends, and Legends of Wrestling is on the network and on Peacock. So look it up. It's on their... In their originals. And there's several episodes, and there's good stuff. And a lot of the guys on the show aren't with us anymore, like uh, Dusty Rhodes, uh, 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 Roddy, Roddy Piper's on a few episodes. Uh, oftentimes, you've got Gene hosting it. Um, Jr. hosts it quite a bit too. Um, you've also, you know, uh, shoot, all kinds of people were on that show. Um, good, good stuff. If you've never checked it out, check it out. You can learn a lot of uh, wrestling history, and it's just wrestlers telling stories. They pick a topic and they run, and it's good, good stuff. Kevin Nash was on the show talking about on you know obviously they go to the NWO, but then they also talk about uh, outdoor wrestling on that show, and they go into a lot of different uh, stuff, talking all the way back to like Shea Stadium and shows on uh, stadium shows and you know the, the night the nitros that were outdoors on the beach in panama city and things like that so 
good, good show on the network to, to check out if you ha- never have before. Uh, there are other topics you wanted to talk about. I know we wanted to talk about uh, there's a return on AEW or a debut in AEW this week uh, on Rampage that uh, kind of fell by the wayside in the news here because there are so many other, so much other big news in WWE, but the Kingdom, Maria Canellis, Mike Canellis, and them uh, at AEW. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop Go you ahead. right there. It's Maria Canellis Bennett, okay, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven. Matt the Taven. Kingdom debuted on Rampage, and what was sorry, sorry, Mike Canellis. I, I, I'm going to call him Mike Canellis just because of the WWE. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, Mike Bennett and Taven. Yes, uh, are you excited to see him in AEW? Yeah, it's looking like they're setting up a Kingdom versus uh, FTR for the ROH Tag Team titles and the IWGP titles. Uh, So, because they're leaving the AAA titles out of this, it kind of makes you wonder which way that match is going to go. But yeah, great tag team. Mike Bennett is extremely, extremely underutilized. Well, when he was with WWE. They had a hell of a talent. Dude has a hell of a story. And plus he gets to bang Maria. I mean, come on. Matt Taven, in my opinion, was one of the most um, entertaining Ring of Honor champions of all time. Um, Even the feud that he had going with Mike Bennett at a point and the feud that they had with PCO and Vincent at a point in time was pretty amazing too. Um, All things I suggest for anybody to check out. But, uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to be contracted. And, again, this goes back into what we talked about some weeks ago when it came to Impact having all their wrestlers not under contract anymore. Okay, the next quick jab I have is Frankie Kazarian at um, Bound for Glory, I believe it was, won the X Division Championship. And this week on Impact, he announced to Josh Alexander that he's going to cash in his option C. What option C is, is if you are X Division champion in Impact, you can relinquish the X Division championship for a heavyweight title opportunity. So that looks like we're going to get that banger of a match in the near future. Can't wait for that. Keep in mind, Frankie Kazarian is still an AEW contracted wrestler. So it doesn't appear like AEW is not willing to play with anybody just not gcw yeah uh that that's interesting news right there um i just want to say apparently when i typed in mjf's profile here i hit the m button which i have set up to mute my mic as well so my mic has been muted for a couple of minutes there unfortunately so me reading uh, (laughs) dax's tweet for the uh podcast listeners well, no one will actually hear that, but I'll have to cut that segment out of the podcast altogether. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I apologize for anyone watching right now that didn't get to hear me read out what Dax says. But you already you already saw that. Uh, all right, any anything else to talk about there after the Kazarian news? Daddy ass is somewhere working with office supplies. I guess so. I don't know. I don't know what that. Whatever the fuck happened to that guy? Right, he's only maybe the most over 
uh, member of DX right now. <laughs> Literally. Well, no. Uh, maybe on, maybe Triple H. Discussion but... about this. I, yeah, I think Trips edges him out a little bit. Unless all this group scissoring that the acclaimed have been doing has really created the political divide in this country to go away. I was surprised. That I was surprised during the DX stuff up. that there wasn't, and maybe it was because of Road Dog giving the acknowledgement to Daddy Ass in his in his you know his normal promo opening promo that you know the crowd didn't just riot and start chanting Daddy Ass, but. I was surprised that didn't. You see, just a bunch of people like scissoring themselves out in the fucking stands. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great Corey Graves with the shout out there. That was great. Oh yeah. By the way, I'm gonna start scissoring myself more often. I've never done before, but it is a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, speaking of scissoring, it's time to cut this show loose. That'll do it for this episode of The Buckle Bomb Show. That is Tony. I'm Bobby. Please give us a like. Subscribe if you feel like it. I've got some channel news coming really soon. We've got some exciting stuff coming on this channel and on another channel. You might have noticed that this channel has actually changed names. So uh, I'll have news about all that and all the goings on there and more shows coming. And the return of the card coming here in a week or two. See you guys next week. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Production.